This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Well, good Monday morning, everybody. I am Glenn the Geek in Ocala, Florida. And I'm Jamie Jennings in Norman, Oklahoma. You're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for January 10th, episode 2846, brought to you today by Eagle Equine Products. Good morning, Horse World. I have good news and bad news for you on this Monday morning. First, the bad. It's Monday. But the good news is really good. Jamie and Glenn are here to guide you through another week filled with horse talk and a whole lot of fun. Welcome to Horses in the Morning. Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us. I got to tell you, I was driving around over the weekend around here in Ocala, and everybody has descended on Florida. The old people are here. The horse people are here. Traffic's building. Restaurants are full, and uh, things are happening in Florida. It tends to be that people start coming the beginning of December, but they the big descent on the state happens right after Christmas, between Christmas and New Year's. Like, there's farms in our neighborhood here that were just sold for record amounts of money, and we're seeing the people in there now for the first time with their horses, and they'll be here for two months and gone. So, so this tells you a little bit. So, some of the farms in this neighborhood that were selling two, three years ago, it's all, it's 400 little horse farms, about five acres. They were selling for 250 to 350, maybe 400 have had a really nice house, are now selling for 700 to a million. Oh my God. And... They're coming in. They're completely redoing the putting up all new fencing, which is very expensive with the price of wood right now because it's all wood fencing down here. So they're doing that. They're putting up buildings. They're they're doing all of this. They put in, putting in arenas and all this stuff, and they come for probably eight to ten weeks. That's crazy. And it sits empty literally the rest of the year. They're just sitting there. Empty. And they have to pay somebody to come in over the summertime to like mow the lawn and stuff, right? Do you follow this Facebook page? It's called Zillow Gone Wild. No. no that oh sounds fun, though. Oh, my gosh. It's very entertaining. <laughs> there is a $50 million mansion in Palm Springs that is available for sale. And if you're a member of – if you follow Zillow Gone Wild, you can, like, see all the pictures, like the Zillow for it. Oh my gosh. There's like an indoor river that goes through. It's just like a total party pad. Like it is <laughs> insane. And again, for the bargain price of $50 million, not a dang barn on the whole property, worthless to me, but whatever. It's, it looks fun. Um, but like indoor garage, it's, it just, it's crazy. And, and all I want to know is on these, like in your situation, who is buying them? And more importantly, what do they do for a living? Exactly. I mean, there's one There's one I can think about because we drive by it as we're leaving the neighborhood every day. And they they just bought the place. They paid six, seven hundred for it, I think, seven hundred something. And they had all new fencing put up. I mean, double, and it's all, if it's jumpers or dressage people, it's the double fencing, right? It's dub, mm-hmm. double fenced. And it's Reading. always, they're yeah. getting smart too. They're not doing square corners anymore. Everybody around here is doing the round corners. Um, so, you know, that's supposed to be safer. 
So that's all a new thing. And it's all double fenced and it's probably four acres. They put a tent, they have a barn that probably holds six, eight horses. And they put a one of those fancy temporary tents up that has stalls in it that probably holds another six or eight more. And they just got here. And it looks like a bunch of teenagers out there doing jumping. Um, and they just got here and they'll be gone. They'll be gone by the end of March or the middle of March. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> But not only who are you, what do you do for a living? That's what I would like to know. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't know. But there's a lot of them here right now in Florida. We're seeing farms go up that you would have seen for, you know, maybe 10-acre farms. They're selling plots of land. So you can buy 10 acres of land that you could have gotten for less than 100000 three, four years ago. Right now are going for two hundred and fifty to 350000 for the 10 acres. No, wow. nothing on it. Just 10 acres of woods. And then you got to pay to have the woods cut. And our woods are kind of thick here in Florida. So apparently to get a, you know, a couple of acres of woods cleared, it's, it's around thirty dollars to $50,000. So when my mother at age 75 bought 10 acres in Palatka, Florida, when we thought she was insane, because what 75-year-old woman decides to buy a farm <laughs> with her 70-year-old husband, um, apparently we're going to cash in. So that's yeah, good. I don't know about Palatka. <laughs> that might be an no. exception to the Palatka rule. Palatka might not be yeah. the, the Did you go to t- equestrian oh, destination. I need to talk to you about Palatka sometime, because we've camped up there and gone to town. We'll have to talk about that sometime. Oh. Yeah, I've been to that town. <laughs> it's pretty real. <laughs> uh, horse Lovers Cruisers, if you did not see the video I put on the Facebook page or you did not see the email I sent out, please immediately go over to the Facebook page and watch the video. Um, so, again, if you are signed up for the cruise, go check it out because there are some changes. So head on over there. Uh, auditors will have a Facebook Live tonight where I'm going to introduce the new Sidelines hosts. You heard them last week here do their first episode, and they got pretty good reviews from the focus group. So we're going we're gonna to introduce them tonight in Facebook Live in the auditor room. It'll just be a quick 10, 15 minute. So you get to put faces to the names. Uh, also, we didn't talk about it last week, but Bob Saget, Saget dying. Um, he ju- died yesterday. Yeah, which was a shock to everybody, and apparently the police have no idea. There was no drugs found. There's no evidence of foul play. You know, I don't know if he had a heart attack or what. We'll know in the next couple of days. But then Betty White dying and, and Sidney Portier dying, too, which younger members of our audience won't even know who that is. Um, but Sydney I remember— Portier was like— uh, just an unbelievably classic actor. I and, mean, and classy an actor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just amazing guy. And then Betty White. So next Monday, in honor of Betty White's birthday, have you seen what people are sending around the internet? No. The hashtags next Monday. Yeah. So for Betty White's birthday, everybody is to donate money to a animal rescue. And and the the number was supposed to be $5, but you know, they donate 20 bucks to whatever rescue, you know, I'll be donating to horse and hound, but because she was such an animal lover and such an animal lover in rescues. um, Well, remember to mention it on the show next week. I won't be here, but remember to mention that. uh, I will. And I watched an interview with Ryan Reynolds about her because they did that movie called the proposal with Sandra Bullock and Ryan Reynolds and Betty White. And he somebody asked him, what was your favorite Betty White memory? And he's like, okay, so filming is ending. It's the last day. We've just wrapped the entire movie. And Betty White stands up and she goes to walk out the door and she turns around and she says, I want you all to know that this is the best time I've ever had. And everybody's like, 
oh, and she goes, standing up. And then she walked out. <laughs> I'm like, Her God, timing. I, I went I went down the Betty White <laughs> rabbit hole like most people did on YouTube, and I went back to some of the Johnny Carson and all of those. God, her timing is impeccable. It was I mean, just impeccable. She she had those pauses right at the right of length. You know, she 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 was brilliant comedically. Yeah. Just I mean, brilliant. if you ever saw Golden Girls, I mean, she was just she reminds me so much of my grandmother on the Golden Girls because my grandmother's very innocent and very thing. But then, like, oh my gosh, just she was so fantastic on that show. And so, uh, yeah, if anybody hasn't seen the Golden Girls, go back and watch it. It's a show about four old ladies, and it's hilarious so it, and it holds up i've watched some of the clips it actually holds up it pretty does. well yeah. it totally does it's fantastic and then bob saget had just you know he recently in the last year or two went back on the road doing stand-up which is where he started uh and he apparently his last his last instagram i think a couple mm-hmm. days ago was how much he was enjoying it yeah. Um, and uh, I had he was he could get filthy. He really could get filthy in a stand-up. Um, I saw him somewhere. I cannot remember where 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 I saw him. But uh, we had him on one of the stations I was on, which was a very vanilla station, and he was in with us. And I mean, we couldn't use half of it. No, because he just it was really like dirty. The mom and pop, like kids in the car going to school radio station. Like we're like, okay, we're gonna pre-record this one <laughs> so we can cut pieces out. And I know this isn't anything about horses, but we are in the business of comedy, Jamie and I. At least we hope we hope we are. So anytime a comedic legend or two die, we you know we do tend to talk about it. Uh, what is coming up on today's show? Uh, we have an adventure on, don't we? Who did a great yes, thing last we year? Do Sarah Murphy's going to come on and talk about winning the Governor's Cup award and talking about the Kentucky Three Day, and then Henrietta, say the last name. Go ahead. Um, I have no idea. Uh, she is from. She actually is originally from Transylvania, and her last name reflects that. So we're going to ask her how to say her last name. But she's from horseyhooves.com, which I get a lot of lists from that we do here on the show. And I finally wrote to him and said, look, I really like Zath-Mari. your... Zathmari. I'm going to go with Zathmari. All right. We'll ask her. Zathmari. That could be it. Uh, she lives in England now. And we're trying to have more foreign guests on, too. So we're getting her on. International she's... guests, Glenn. Sorry. Hello. International guests on. And well, uh, she wrote an article about unicorn facts. And I know, judging by our auditor page, there's lots of posts about unicorns in there all the time. So we're going to find out some facts about unicorns. The, Of course, they're real. So we have to find out about them. She's going to share that with us today. Plus, you're going to do a trainer tip, right? I think so. And uh, do we know what it's about today? Um, no. Okay. No, we don't. <laughs> I know there were lots of questions, so Jamie's going to pick one. And in the post show, we're going to do some question first world problems for the auditors in the post show. But in the meantime, let's do some daily winnies. Uh, happy birthday to Sarah Hahn, who uh, is one of our terrific auditors. And uh, I noticed she is sick right now with COVID and said she lost all sense of taste and smell. So that has to suck. Uh, we're wishing you the best. Half my Facebook friend list is sick right now. Uh, Lynn Popa and Dr. Wendy Ying. It's her birthday today. Happy mm. birthday, Dr. Ying. You're going to hear from Dr. Ying next week, I think. She's coming on the show with Jamie. So she's filling in for me. And also... 
We were not disappointed last week. Remember, our goal was to have no weeks this year without a new auditor. Well, we had four new auditors last week. We want to thank... Oh, give the disclaimer. Which one? The, the oh, name's disclaimer. The, the whole... Yeah, 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 he, yeah. he's going to mispronounce your name, and it's a badge of honor because he mispronounces everybody's name. Thank you. Tom Smythe is Tom Smith. So just so you know, <laughs> he's going to screw it up. Okay. No matter how easy it is. There's some fun ones today. Uh, Julianne Rowland, she had the easy name. Steph Pestka, Pestka has a semi-easy name. Christina Linga, I'm going with that. And Nicole Gonzalez. Thank you, Nicole, for being the one with the name I really could pronounce today. So thank you all for joining and becoming auditors. If you're not part of the auditor group on Facebook, search for HRN Auditors and ask to join. That's where all the fun happens and where we get these training questions from and all that stuff comes from the auditor group. So head on over there. And thank you for not giving us a big goose egg last week. Welcome, everybody. Oh, sweet Mary, mother of God, Lucas has gone back to school. It seems like he's been off for a year. This private school, man, private school, they have been off for three and a half weeks. What? Oh, today was the day. So thank you, honey, for driving him to school. I appreciate it. I'm like, okay. That's cool. Like, and then today, this morning, he sits down. And he's like, "Hey, we didn't hang out with my friend Dad. This whole like he had like this list of things <laughs> that he didn't get to do during the break that he was off." And I'm like, "Dude, you've been here for almost a month. Enough. <laughs> like, if you didn't do it then, you're not going to do it now." He's like, "Oh, I need to. I need to write a letter to my pen pal. I need to do this. I need to do this." I'm like, "You had time. You had time. <laughs> that time when you were like, what annoying can we me, do, mom, <laughs> mom. What can we do? I don't know. Come help me with the horses." Is there anything else I can do? (laughs) (laughs) I dreamed, Glenn, (laughs) 10, 9 years ago when I was sitting here pregnant that I had a little girl in my tummy who was excited about getting a pony. Oh, we had that discussion a few times on the air, I remember. And now I have a son who's like, can I just play on my iPad instead? Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh. Nothing so to do with grateful. the horses, huh? I remember my, at that age, I was dripping in sweat, just dying to have a horse. Just dying to have a horse. And now there's like eight out there. And he's like, it's okay. can I play my iPad? <laughs> <sighs> anyway, thank you for all those people who are currently hanging out with him. Oh, and uh, all the, and God bless all the mothers whose schools just closed again because there's not enough teachers to teach and they're And home. that's why we go to a <laughs> private school. Uh, it's not fun to pay a private school tuition, but it is fun to actually send your kid <laughs> and not go, oh, he's got Zoom school today. Like, thanks. Yeah. Wellington over the weekend, something happened that we talk about every year, and that's the Battle of the Sexes. It's a jumping competition. They get a men's team and a women's team, and they do a jumping competition. It's By the way, it's $75,000 to the winning team, so it's not too shabby either. Well, they didn't have one last year because of the pandemic, but uh, they had one over the weekend on Saturday Night Lights. And guess who won? Girl power! (laughs) Yes, the girls won again. They won 30-13 to to capture the 11th win in the event's 13-year history. Oh, yeah. That means the guys only won twice in my calculation. That would be the math. Yeah. Uh, The women's team was trailing 5-1 to in the first round, but rallied to tie 5-5. 
and then extended their lead to 15-10 and just went on from there to win 30-13. to Now, in football, in baseball, that would be a severe blowout. But even in football, that's kind of a blowout. So, yeah, women Why win again. Why you got to turn it back to, to football? Why has it got to be about football? Because <laughs> it is that time of year. Whatever. Hey, how are Nigel and Scooter doing? Yeah, I've had a lot of requests to find out about Nigel and Scooter. Well, this is the story. Scooter's been hanging around not doing much of anything because I'm not allowed to do much of anything. I get my surgery on Thursday, thank God. Um, So uh, he's been hanging around, just hanging around, not doing a lot. Uh, He has been able to go out with uh, Nigel in the afternoons, and they play extensively, and he has so much fun beating up Nigel. Uh, Nigel, we had talked about, Jennifer had talked about, was just being... He was being troublesome. He didn't want to be touched. He didn't want to be ridden. He was grouchy all the time. So she did put him on a uh, ulcer medicine, and he's been on it maybe four weeks now. And she had a brilliant ride yesterday. He has been getting a little bit better every day. Uh, and she said yesterday he was back to his old self. So apparently sometimes it's ulcers. Yeah, it is. And you know what's <laughs> really irritating, Glenn, is that – in, in 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 my world of Zeus, it has been one thing after it just it, his behavior has been very sour when you're riding him. And if you recall, I took him up because he doesn't limp, he doesn't show any pain, he just shows behaviors. He's a Mustang, so they don't if they limp, they get eaten. You know, I, I don't know why you can't let that go, but like he won't, won't limp. So I took him up to the clinic, and we did that. Um, Lameness locator where they put all those things on him and they determined that his hocks need to be injected. So we injected his hocks. That's only going to make him want to escape more. <laughs> I know. Well, we did his hocks and, and great. I had one good ride. I always and thought with was, him there a little bit of pain was a good thing. <laughs> I know. Back to pinning his ears. What he does is he kind of like crow hops and pins his ears and won't go forward. Like he just won't go forward. So then I'm like, okay, there's something else wrong with him. And in all the luck that I've had with kids and spines this year, I just was like, x-ray is back. <clears throat> and he had two minor spots that like may have been causing him discomfort. I'm like, inject him. So they injected his back. So now he's had his hocks done and he's had his back done. I'm like, you should be <laughs> just soak him in the stuff. <laughs> I mean, he should be ready to go. And I get on him. Nope. He's pinning his ears, crow hopping. Anytime you put your leg on him, he won't go forward. And freaking Abby looks at him. She goes, you know what? He looks like he has ulcers. Like, God <laughs> bless America. Holy cow. So I started him on ulcer medication. So he's now. If you figured out what that in. Mustang has cost you over the years, it probably sets a record. I'm glad that Chad can't hear that you're <laughs> half of the podcast, <laughs> although he's probably thinking the same thing. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, so we're, we're doing that right now. So we'll. And for new listeners, you got glad. Zeus when you were in Arizona still, right? Yeah, I got him from an adoption at the prison in Carson City, Nevada. And how long ago? Five? 2016, February 2016. Six years, seven years almost. Chad <laughs> just goes 1993. <laughs> <laughs> it hasn't been that long. <laughs> Seems like it. To you. <laughs> hates, he hates that horse. And oh he has gosh. been trouble. I mean, he's been trouble. He's just but been, he's been amazing annoying. Too. He's just, he escapes everything. He can't, won't stay in his paddock. Just so those of you know, it's fantastic the way that it is now. So I have the big pasture with all my horses go out in and Zeus would run around and chase everybody. And he's like constantly trying to herd everybody together. And one day 
and I had pink, my pregnant mare, in a separate pasture. And one day, I go outside, and he's in the pasture with pink. And I was like, okay, apparently that's where you live now. And he has stayed in that pasture, Glenn, for a year now. A year. He is. He just. He somehow let himself in, and he has not let himself out. So, he just it, told it, you where he wanted to be. Yeah, yeah, I want to be with the ladies. Hello. So now there's two mares out there with him, and he's happy as can be. Wow. He just, he let you know. Yeah, you just have to be able to listen well, to Well, in the wild, don't the boys want to be with the girls, too? I guess. Yeah. I don't know. He's just hes just happy as a clam out there with the mares. So uh, I've never moved him because he is actually doing well. I mean, he does bang the gate and demands food and all those things. But, yeah. <sighs> <laughs> so but. tell us about, you had gotten a couple of trainees in, too. People love, did, love hearing yeah. about the trainees. I have two other off-the-track thoroughbreds. So the gypsy van are left over the weekend. And the Irish horse that's supposed to come at January, the owner ended up uh, getting exposed to COVID. And so we've decided I'm taking a vacation at the end of the month. So she's going to bring him at the end. So it worked out fine. So now I only have two. I have two horse and hound horses. One is a gelding. Oh, my gosh. Somebody better adopt this horse. He is two and a half years old. He is almost 17 hands. He is like, he's like thick, like a hunt horse. He looks like a hunt horse, you know? Uh, and he's a, just a big giant baby, but he's so friendly and he's so sweet. He went into training, um, as a two-year-old. Why would you put a two-year-old that's that big into training? He strained a tendon, didn't do a full bow, anything like that, but they immediately caught it and pulled him off and retired him to horse and hound and horse and hound has rehabilitated him for six months on this tendon. So then he comes back to me and he's been working and he's totally fine. But farm boy came out yesterday and remember, Farm Boy's six four, so there's not a lot of mares or horses that he comfortably can ride. And so I'm working with this, and I was like, you know what? He's going to be here for a couple weeks. Farm Boy's off school right now. Like, why don't you make this horse yours for a couple weeks? Like, put the Western saddle on him. Throw it up here. He put that Western saddle on that horse, and I'm like, there it is. He, that's what his job needs to be. And again, he's still learning to go stop and turn, you know, and follow his head. But it's it was like the most nice. He looks so good. So I posted a picture and a video of him longlining. We haven't been on him with the Western Saddle. We just longlined him in it. And it, it looked really, he looks great. So you can check that out on my Facebook page, which is Flyover Farm, J.B. Jennings. Um, and then I have another mare who's here that potentially is going to be adopted. I'm kind of feeling her out for somebody. And uh, she is super nice, super nice, really nice mover. It's the one that you saw trotting. You were like, oh, yeah, very floaty. She's still here. But of course, I brought her up yesterday. And she's like, I'm dying. My foot hurts. And I put the hoof testers on her and she has an abscess. (laughs) So Barrier will be out here Tuesday, tomorrow. (laughs) I think they just know ways to get out of getting trained. Yeah, exactly. Let's get out of training. I'll just I'll just pop an abscess right now. That'll be good. We'll It'll be fine. Yeah. You know, what's the easiest way for me to not work today? Yeah, exactly. Oh, abscess. Uh, abscesses are cool. fun. I'll just step on something foreign for Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so that's where we're at with her. So those are the those are the guys I have right now. Gypsy Vanner went home and uh do, do you know it's funny, trailer I teach horses to trailer load. It's kind of part of what I what I do when the horses come for training. But this so when a horse won't go forward, I back them up. And that's like the best, you know, finger quotes punishment that you can do because horses hate backing up. Well, here's the training challenge with this pony. Her tail 
was dragging the ground and is about the as wide as a barrel. Okay, so her tail, when you back up a horse with a tail that big, what happens to the tail, Glenn? It gets stuck under their feet and they trip. They step on it and rip it out. <laughs> and I backed her up that first time. I was like, fine, you will go forward, back up. And I was like, oh, no, stop that. She just ripped out a chunk of her tail. Oh, and no. in the world of Gypsy Vanner people, that yeah, is that's not like okay. that's a sin. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, how else can I teach you to get in Did she cancel the check? turns out the mare will follow you anywhere for a bit of equine senior (laughs) horse feed so i just put a little tiny like handful of feed in a bucket at the front of the trailer and she walks right in she eats that i turned around walked her out and then i put another handful in there and i walked in let her eat that turned around walked her out then i walked her up to the trailer i unclipped leave rub she jumped in (laughs) i was like Okay, so this one's food motivated. <laughs> Never came from my hand. It just happened to be in that bucket down there on the floor mm, in the trailer. Yeah. And I couldn't back her out of the trailer, so I had to turn around. Thank God she's 14, 13 hands, you know. But So that's how I got her. So she went home, and everybody's happy. And because the owner of the gypsy, her husband came down with the Omicron variant of COVID. She sat in her truck the entire time and I had to load all her stuff and all her everything. So she quarantined in her truck while I loaded the mare. <laughs> and I was like, did all things like called her on the phone. I was like, okay, she's in. Bye-bye. <laughs> it was crazy. The world we live in right now, it's insane. It is crazy. Well, you yeah. know what does help with ulcers too? What? MagnaGuard. That's right. MagnaGuard helps prevent ulcers and other gastric issues, giving your horse the happy tummy he deserves. MagnaGuard helps calm horses in two ways. First, the magnesium is a natural calmer. And number two, it keeps the gut feeling great, which allows horses to relax. It contains important trace minerals, and it's all natural and can be fed continually without negative side effects. Customers report healthier, shinier coats, less colic, healthier hooves, and overall healthier horses. There's a discount code. It's HRN. It gets you 15%, not 50, sorry. It gets you 15% off your order at eagleequine.com. That's a one-time use. HRN gets you 15% off at eagleequine.com. All of their products come with a money-back guarantee. If you're not satisfied, you can contact Eagle Equine for a full refund. Let's get to our first guest. We have coming up uh, Sarah Murphy, who was the Governor's Cup Award winner for the United States Eventing Association this year. And she's also a very high-level advanced rider, uh, advanced eventer here in the United States. And we're going to talk to her about why she got that award. Well, I'm pleased to welcome Sarah to the show. Sarah, congratulations on the Governor's Cup Award. Oh, thank you so much. It's a it's a huge honor. Um, I definitely was not expecting that. Uh, I, you know, I feel a bit. Uh, I don't feel like I've quite done enough in the sport to have to deserve one of those. But um, I, I, it was a huge, huge honor, and uh, obviously to to win it alongside um, my my comrades in this crazy mission, uh, Lynn uh, Szymanski and Dorothy Crowell. It was just a incredibly special moment for all of us. Absolutely awesome women there. Now, the Governor's Cup is presented in recognitions of volunteers whose services have contributed to significantly to the sport. Now, tell everybody what the three of you powerhouse women did. Well, um, just we were a little bit nuts, I suppose. I mean, Dorothy and I sort of started calling each other Thelma and Louise pretty early on in this, <laughs> in this whole thing. But, 
Yeah, what, what happened was, uh, which I know everyone is well aware, uh, in the beginning of, beginning of February, uh, Kentucky felt like they needed to make the decision to to cancel, um, and that went up. And I remember my my husband, uh, Brian, he had said to, you know, he's getting a little bit tired of me because about 24 hours I was going, I, I just can't believe this. Like, I, I, <laughs> Why are we canceling? Why can't we figure this out? I mean, I do understand, of course, everything had to cancel the year before, but I had felt, and I know a lot of us had felt that perhaps there was a way to, maybe we had to make it look different, but um, surely we could all, we could have all planned to help, help out with this and still have the events run and not miss another year. And especially it being an Olympic year that of course it's a very important thing to be able to hold uh, events like Kentucky to prepare top athletes. But the other thing that I think is so important is that, you know, everyone says, oh, what's another year? Well, what's another year for someone like, let's say, Emma Klugman or Madeline Scott or, you know, Zoe Crawford? Well, what those horses, um, you know, Emma's horse was, I think, 18 or 19 years old. They don't, they don't have another year. Um, and this is their one opportunity to get to, to run, to be able to ride that horse at a five-star and get the mileage. And, uh, and so it is really, really important. You know, there's so many great people worked very hard to bring this five-star to Kentucky. Um, and it's, it's important that we, we don't just get laissez-faire, even in, you know, not, I know it was a tough time globally, but we don't need to be, we, 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 all, we all proved that we could pull together and make it happen. Um, but anyway, so that started, and my husband got a little annoyed with me. Um, he's now actually, <laughs> we're, we're separated, but he got a little bit annoyed with me uh, with uh, saying, I can't believe this is going on. This is crazy. Why can't we figure it out? So he actually got the ball rolling because he called um, the wonderful Lee Carter, who's the um, head of the uh, EEI, and said, okay, you know, these these eventing people are going crazy that this is happening. Like, is there any way, is there any number that will make you guys reconsider this? Because it was obviously a financial decision. Um, they, they, it costs a lot of money to run and I know a lot more about it uh, now than I did before, but it costs <laughs> so much money to put these competitions on. And so he, he, he asked Lee and to, to Lee's credit, you know, he didn't, a lot of people, um, and a lot of organizations would have just said, no, no way. We can't do it. We've made the decision. That's it. And to Lee's credit, he actually said, well, if you think you can come up with, he said, I think I can run this event on $1.5 million. It costs normally $4 million plus to run the event. So I think I can run it on $1.5 million. Um, if you can come up with half of that number, um, then we will, we will work our bums off to try to get creative and all and see what, you know, see if we can close the gap, uh, which is obviously a huge number. And we were, we were given a very, a few days to do it. Um, so we just all got to work. So after he had done that, Brian had kind of done that, then um, I just honestly went down my contact list and, and I started calling people. And that's when Dorothy uh, rang me up and said, uh, hey, you know, I hear you're trying to do this. And obviously she's a Kentucky girl and a huge uh, supporter of the sport and knows the horse park inside out and has ridden at the highest level and, you know, taught and all of that. And so, um, you know, she said, right, I'm going to help you. And then, of course, Lynn, who, who lot, people don't really um, people don't really realize, I think, how much Lynn does behind the scenes because she is on for high, a high performance is going to owe her. Uh, I mean, what were the direction, the amount of work that she has done to try to improve things and try to get us all in the right direction and get the riders and the owners and the coaches and everybody to, 
to, to be a more cohesive team. She is unbelievable, and not just with ideas, but with the follow through, the boring stuff. She's on the committee. She's she you know she's following through every single step, and she's so dogged. And so when I tell you that Dorothy Lynn and I probably didn't get off the phone with each other. We were on the phone to you know to, to at least midnight every night to about four o'clock in the morning every morning, co- solidly for five days, just ringing and thinking and talking. And um, and Dorothy was great with people I didn't know. And then she also uh, said, "Hey, we need to get our get the grassroots together. We have so much support for the sport in this country that we're not tapping into." And she was so right. And I was just going down with thinking, okay, well, I've been in the sport for you know longer than I care to remember at the higher level. So I thought. Well, all the owners that um, or people or supporters I've known along the way, and I just rung them up and I said, I, you know, I'm really sorry to ask this, but you know, we got a huge number from that. You know, some people, some owners gave a, a good, uh, you know, sixty thousand dollars each, oh right? Like it was a massive, a massive amount of money, and uh, so you know, and and several people did that, and several. Um, there were a few riders that really. You know, I reached out to everybody I knew. There's a few riders like Will Coleman and Will Fordry uh, in particular that that stepped up to the plate and got their owners together and just got and and also you know, so I, everybody just did everything that they could to make this happen. And in a very short period of time, I think we had we definitely had three hundred thousand in a very short period of time. Uh, it did. It happened so fast. I mean, yeah, and then were... we, we yeah. We had we had that, but then we had, and then we started to have a, a pause for a moment. And I got scared. First of all, I thought it was none of us thought it was actually going to work, right? But we got we got we got that amount of money. And then I had a couple of people actually get cold feet because it it didn't seem like it looked like we were sort of going rogue. Like with the we were, it was just a little slow for all of the other organizations to say, yeah, she's not just a total lunatic, guys. <laughs> like <laughs> we're actually going we're actually going to do it. So we had a moment where I thought it wasn't going to happen. Um, and then, uh, and then we had a call, then I had three phone calls in a row. One was from Annie Eldridge, who is just a champion who gave, who gave a significant amount of money. And another was from the, uh, the Manson foundation. Um, uh, Sandy Niles rung me and I think I almost started crying when she rung me because she, I mean, they, they gave a $125,000, um, Good. to, to that because we, we were getting very close. We were about it. It was to try to bridge the gap for the last little bit that we needed. And so from we started all this on a Thursday. It was Wednesday, Thursday that we started it. By Monday morning, we had 600000 plus. Like, money was still coming in. That's oh amazing. <laughs> it's just amazing. <laughs> it, it's a testament to how important these things are. And and to me, I've been going to Kentucky in April every year since I was nine years old. And it was so, su- such a soul-crushing thing for me to have it canceled. But then to see everybody kind of rally around and pick it back up and put it back on the shelf, like, we're going to do this, it was so awesome. Now, still, we didn't get to go, whatever. But point is, it happened. And I, I just... Do you know what's going to happen this year? Um, this year should be fine. <laughs> this year should be fine. I mean, think, fingers crossed. I mean, Kentucky does um, have a good, you know, extremely good revenue uh, sources. I mean, they have amazing sponsors in Mars Equestrian and and um, and Land Rover, obviously, the title uh-huh. sponsor, and uh, and Rolex has been a huge part of it for a very very long time. So they have they have serious 
un, you know, sponsorship already. And I think that was a bit something that was a bit, was slightly confusing because uh, it was hard on those those sponsors because some people said, oh, well, why aren't they just well, they didn't, they'd, they'd been told it was, you know, it wasn't anybody in particular doing anything wrong. It's just that when yeah. the decision had been made to be canceled, at that stage, all those massive corporations, it's not like they can suddenly turn around and say, oh, now we've got to, because everything, all the funds are allocated and then, you know, yeah. nothing moved fast enough. So once, um, once the grassroots and the owners and, and actually people around the world, when I tell you that, uh, you know, I, I put it up on Facebook, obviously, and I just tagged, like, I did things like tag Mike, yes, you know, because I thought, you know, I knew how, how passionate he is about Kentucky. He's a huge part of making Kentucky what it is. And he would spread it around to other people. He donated money. Um, you know, riders overseas donated money. Uh, Tim, and, Tim and Janelle Price did. Uh, several other ones that I, you know, I can't remember off the top of my head, but those guys gave, those guys gave money as soon as they saw what we were doing. Because one thing that also happened is that I got a little bit of pushback in the beginning with, oh, well, it's okay. We'll just go to badminton with the horses that are going to go to, you know, whatever championship we have this year. And I thought, well, that's silly because that's only, I mean, no, not to be, but I was like, that's only a few horses. Like we're, we need, we have other other we have younger horses that, you know, don't need to go to badminton yet. We have younger riders. We have this, we have to, Keep, yeah. We have to keep doing it. It can't be about putting horses on planes. And then badminton cancels. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, so there. I, you know, now, uh, Sarah, yeah, didn't, canceled, yeah. didn't they do yeah. additional so, uh, additional classes, too, uh, for other groups that wouldn't normally be at uh, Rolex or Land Rover? Land Rover. Yeah, sorry. No, no, they didn't. No, oh, they, they didn't. didn't. Okay. They did. They, that was an idea that was floated around. Okay. However, what they did do, they were always plan, planning on doing the four-star short, and they did do a four-star short, okay. but that wasn't a new thing. They were always going to do that. Ah, uh, gotcha. Um, okay. So, yeah, and I did have a little bit of, oh, well, maybe we'll run the four-star short and not do the five-star long because it's a little bit, you know, it's less money because, of course, we're required to have a which is an important thing to do. We need, we can't change that, but we're required to have $150,000 prize money for a five star. So you've got a fat, you can't actually run it without that. So that's mm. one thing. Whereas a four star and then plus the, the distance is so much more, right? So so much more jumps. So, you know, all the, uh, the logistics of all of, uh, all of it running a five star is, is just a huge, huge difference in expenditure. So um, they were thinking, well, maybe we'll go ahead and only run the four star short class, which will give our uh, still give our Olympic horses a run and, and all of that sort of stuff and give people an opportunity. But a four star short is not a five star long. It's just not the same thing. We don't need a. I mean, not that we don't need to have a four star short at Kentucky. It's really useful, but it's not the whole you know, it's not the point of it. And there are a few other people that um, you would think would know a little bit more about this, but a few other people that said, oh, why don't we run it in a different venue? And I'm thinking, run it in a different venue? <laughs> like, <laughs> what are you going to do? You're, you're, you're <laughs> like, you're going to move the Kentucky bluegrass, like amazing turf, and like, you're just going to suddenly put it like some random place that hasn't, you know, hasn't yeah. held a five-star. Like, it, it takes a long time to get the ground, the space, and the Turf. I mean, you can't recreate that in five I'm, minutes. So, I'm still stuck um, on yeah. four million dollars to run it. <laughs> I'm stuck on that number when you I know, said that, right? <laughs> I know, especially right? when you include the people that you had, the, the the crowds coming and all the things. So, so what you did oh, yeah, was that's amazing. Where, 
that's where the ex- that's where the expense is, right? Like mm. when you think about the amount of security and the tents and the this and the VIP and the like, it is. I've actually seen the sheets on it because I thought it's the same thing. I'm like, how? But if you think about it, I mean, running badminton, I don't know the updated numbers on it, but I want to say it was at least two million pounds to run badminton as well. Like I've seen that, right? Yeah. And then, but their but their income is insane. You know, it's about yeah. uh, for for events like that. You know, I think it's uh, five or six million dollars or a million pounds that they get in. And again, don't quote me on that because I probably don't have updated things, but. Uh, but the amount to run the bloody thing is huge, huge. Mm. Um, yeah. It's just so yes. much that goes into it that we don't we don't think about. And even if you're just talking about, like, I think one thing people don't think about as well is the cost of the, the fences and things. And I know, of course, we there's a you you build the you build the course, but it's not like the course stays the same every year. And you don't. Yes, you can reuse a lot of the fences, but if they do something like, okay, you know, Derek's going to build some beautiful new thing at the water or he's going to do this over here. I mean, that's a huge, a huge expense. Um, yeah. just the, and the work that goes into the turf and, and all like, I, it's just an, and, 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 and then you're flying the best people over from Europe to be the judges. And then, you know, it, the list just goes on and on and on, you know? It does. Um, well, yeah. Hey, thank you for doing what you did. Congratulations on the award. Before we let you go, who are your up and coming horses that you have who maybe we'll see at oh, me? <laughs> Land Rover this year. Oh, um, yeah, I, I, uh, I, I'm not sure I'm, I'm going to ride in Kentucky this year. I might, I haven't really thought about, I, well, I have thought about it, but, um, I'm really <laughs> bad. I'm really bad at communicating, uh, that sort of thing. Cause I'm, a, I guess riders are all a bit superstitious, aren't they? But, um, I, I do have a, a an amazing new horse that, um, so a wonderful group of uh, owners of mine that have been involved for a very long time, Edie Ramika being the main, <laughs> the main one, um, has, has bought a, a Nilsson, um, the Silva's lovely rock phantom horse. So I'm extremely excited about that, but I will obviously not be riding him at Kentucky because I need to get to know him, but I am hoping to ride him at Fairhill. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I was hoping to go to Bromont and just, uh, cause I, I do love Bromont and I think it's a challenging, big galloping course. And I think it would set, give me the information I need as to whether I'd be, we'd be ready to do Fair Hill together. Um, and then, but Rubens hopefully would do something at Kentucky. I don't know if I'll do the four star short or the five star long. Um, and then I have two other absolutely gorgeous horses underneath them, one intermediate horse and one, um, little tiny uh, devil munchkin horse that does a three-star level and has done a couple of um, advanced with me. Um, and I'm going to just sort of play it by ear and see how everybody's feeling. But so they're, they're all, they've all just coming back from their holiday, you know, after the, after the full season, but everybody is, is really happy and I'm, I'm very excited. Good. Well, we look forward to seeing all of these guys and thank you so much for taking some time. I know you, you're sitting in the truck with a horse in the trailer and you pulled over to talk to us. So much I, appreciated. Well, I, I feel terrible for not having myself organized. I have, um, I'm doing this cool thing with, um, I'm helping Panama. I'm doing a little, a camp for, uh, there's no eventing at all in Panama. And I used to coach Venezuela and one of my Venezuelan riders ended up in Panama and she told them, Oh, this is so fun and it's a great sport. Why don't you come over? And so I've got 15 oh, people cool. learning about eventing this week. Yeah. Hey, awesome. <laughs> yeah. World yeah. ambassador. So thank you so much for having me on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Thanks, Sarah. Well, thank you guys so much. Thanks, Sarah. Take care. Okay. Bye bye.
Well, there you go. She did uh, great things for the sport last year, and hopefully this year goes off without a problem or without a hitch. Um, and we're going to uh, get to our next guest right away here. We're going to go over to England for this guest, and uh, we're going to change gears a little bit. Instead of talking about eventing, we're going to talk about the very real unicorn uh, coming up with Henrietta in just a second, right after we hear from the good folks over at Total Saddle Fit. Total Saddle Fit has the cinch that you've been looking for for your Western dressage saddle. The shoulder relief cinch actually changes the position and angle of the billets to prevent the saddle tree from interfering with the shoulder. The center of the cinch is set forward to sit in the horse's natural girth groove, while the sides of the cinch are cut back to meet the billets two inches behind where the horse's natural girth groove lies. This brings the latigos from angling forward to becoming perpendicular to the ground, which reduces the saddle's tendency to be pulled forward into the shoulders. With horses that have shoulder interference without angled billets, it simply moves the billets back to keep the saddle further away from the shoulders. The secondary benefit to this shape is the cutback at the elbows. This gives more room for elbow movement as well and prevents galls in the elbow area. You can find the shoulder relief cinch at totalsaddlefit.com. That's totalsaddlefit.com. Well, as I said, we have Henny on here with us. She's from horseyhooves.com. And I have used a couple of your lists in the past that you have written for them. And we've talked about them here on the show. And I said, I got to write to them and see if we can get her on. And here you are. Thank you for joining us all the way from England. Oh, that's okay. Where do you live in England? What part? So uh, I actually live in Wales. Uh, so the west west shore of Wales, like by the sea here and by the Irish Sea in uh, Aberystwyth. But you're not originally from England, right? Oh, uh, no. Uh, I grew up in Transylvania, and I have both Hungarian and Romanian citizenship. I just came here to study originally. And you stayed? You decided to stay? <laughs> uh, yeah, actually, uh, uh, I met someone here, so <laughs> I ended it's up staying. Always, uh, it's always the it's boy. Always- or, yeah, yeah. Or, or girl, whichever girl. one. But it's always a significant other that makes you. I, I live in Oklahoma now because of a boy, so I get it. <laughs> so uh, tell us about, did you have horses in Transylvania? Um, well, I started riding when I was eight years old. I went to different riding schools for lessons. And then uh, I just carried on doing it. I did a bit of showing, a bit of natural horsemanship and Western riding. And now I have my own horse. Wow, cool. That's very cool. It, are horses it big there? <laughs> you, you couldn't resist, could you? Uh, maybe, maybe he's keeping it a secret. <laughs> <laughs> so what are what's the horse community like where, where you grew up in Transylvania? Ooh, uh, I, it's like very scattered. Well, I was uh I was riding at this trail riding place, so it was usually like guests that we took on trail rides. And it's mostly English riding, but uh, more sort of like um, like natural and Western riding is starting to like uh, creep in there as well. They're just a little bit behind in that sort of thing. Gotcha. Okay, so that that makes sense. Uh, you know, that's what we've heard too. That uh, even in you know in Germany and some of the other countries, Western is becoming much more popular than it has yeah, been in the past. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so you have a horse there in England now or in Wales? Yeah, um, yeah, I have a two-year-old Frisian cross Welsh cob. And uh, yeah, I've, I'm training him up from from scratch, so I wanted to do it all by myself. So I got him when I, when he was just a yearling, and yeah, we are doing great so far. Now, 
is English a second language where you grew up? Uh, well, I, I've been learning it since I was three. So okay. it's kind of like, it's turned into a first language by now. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> your, your English is yeah. very good. That's why I asked. Thank you. Yeah, it's, and then you moved to Wales where the accent is so thick you can hardly understand it. So uh, you have <laughs> yeah, that. I don't have the Welsh accent. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's really tough to understand some of that. So you write some lists for, for this website. And as I said, we've mm-hmm. talked about them before. But there's one I picked out because for some reason, some of our super fans are really into unicorns. <laughs> and uh, you did this whole thing. I thought unicorns were kind of a relatively new thing, but you found out that they go way back. Oh yeah, absolutely. They've they've been around for a long time, and yeah, people in the thousands of years ago they actually believed that they were real animals. But yet, there, I, nobody had ever seen one. I guess, <laughs> or maybe they had. No, no. <laughs> No, the people that described uh, unicorns, they actually what they actually saw was like either antelopes or rhino, uh, rhinos. So that's where the the notion came from. Ah, <laughs> and are we talking the Greeks? Is that the original ones? Yeah, there was this guy called uh, Theseus. That um, yeah, he was the first to describe a unicorn. But um, I think his uh, yeah, he's he's described a few like fantastical creatures like griffins and like dog-headed men as well. So from travelers that he met um, from India. So I don't know. trust that guy. <laughs> That's the guy I, I don't know. I think you've all seen some dog-headed men at times. Uh, <laughs> but the, they actually have proof of this because they they saw drawings in ancient caves. Yeah, yeah, that was... Um, yeah, they considered that as, like, yeah, proof of a unicorn sighting for a while. But it's actually... Uh, they discovered that the unicorn on the walls actually has two horns, but they've been, like, confusingly drawn so close together that people thought that it was one horn for a long time. So that's the story of that. So the original so, unicorns had two horns in the drawings? Yeah, they mistook it for the uh, for a unicorn, basically. So, so yeah, that's in the... I'm case. reading this, and, 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 and for real, like, throughout <laughs> history, people actually thought that the unicorn was real, and people were selling unicorn horns for, like, medicinal purposes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's been going on until the 18th century, I think. Yeah, that's when, uh, yeah, it's like like 1741 when uh, like they were still selling powdered unicorn horns in uh, in like pharmacies. <laughs> yeah. So what were they actually <laughs> selling? Yeah. So um, it was most often uh, narwhal tusks. So the Vikings started this tradition. Um, by uh, they realized that um, selling these tusks as like unicorn horns made them like a lot of money, like because uh, only the wealthy could afford them, and they they were really expensive. Like they were worth ten times their weight in gold, and uh, so they were either uh, narwhal tusks or uh, antelope um, antelope horns. Yeah, those were the two most common ones that they. Back to the Vikings oh, yeah. again. again. Vikings always group, come into the conversation. Yeah, say a group of people that I'm not going to trust would probably be the Vikings. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's like come in this back alley, and I'm going to sell you a unicorn horn. And the suckers were like, "Yeah, let's do that. That sounds like a great idea." <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So it's yeah. a, the national. I didn't know this either. That the national animal of Scotland is a unicorn. Yeah, yeah, that goes way back to like uh, James the Third, I think, from the 1400s. He was the first to make uh, unicorns the national animal of Scotland, and it it carried on uh, until today. Yeah, it's it's still in the coat of arms. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> 
So um, the one other thing that's uh, let me let me find this one. Um, you got to talk about number fourteen. Yeah, I, that's number where 14. I was going. <laughs> Hang on, which one was that? That that was the virgin one. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So I just want to I just want to paint a picture for everybody out there. Okay, if you yourself would like to attract a unicorn. It can only be if you are a virgin and you're sitting naked under a tree because that's when the unicorn will appear. And so even the hunters who wish to capture and kill unicorns to get those tusks so they can sell them to make guys wieners work, uh, they use virgins as bait and they would tie a virgin to a tree naked and wait for the unicorn to come. Now, what the hell were they shooting when something came up? Yeah, uh, that's a good question. <laughs> like, this is terrible. This is terrible. She must not be a virgin. There's no unicorn. She's a liar. Off Virgins had a rough time in the ancient days. They were either being yeah. sacrificed or tied to trees. Or I mean, it didn't pay to be a virgin. No. <laughs> you were no. better off not being a virgin. So, um, yeah. this is weird. What's this number fifteen? The U.S. patent one. Can you tell us about that? Oh yeah, that was very interesting. I actually read uh, a lot of the original document on Google Patents. So that's uh, yeah, I, I, this weird guy just decided to uh, that he wants to create unicorns like surgically, uh, so th to actually make them as a real thing. And he believes that uh, like uh, shepherds in ancient times have actually already done this to protect their herd because. These creatures were more effective and cheaper to keep than dogs because, well, obviously dogs needed to be fed meat. So they they created these sort of one-horned goats to to protect their herd. And yeah, this guy wanted to recreate that basically. And he was in 1984. We're not talking ancient times. <laughs> we're talking... Yeah, yeah, yeah. He just used that as a part of his like, uh, like yeah, the the explanation. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 I guess uh, how many people do? Because number sixteen is unicorn horn cups were used to test whether a drink contained poison. And also, I read somebody else that unicorn horn would f like if you were poisoned and you took unicorn horn, you were going to be cured. How many people died like <laughs> attempting? Give me the horn, I'll be fine. And then, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like um. I found it really interesting that you know uh, King James the uh, first actually tested this uh, this like assumption, and that's when it it started to die away when he actually uh, like poisoned the servant and then uh, like gave him powdered unicorn horn, and uh, yeah, the servant died. So he was more skeptical, and then yeah, from then on, this belief like started to started to fade away. But yeah, they they believed this for many many centuries. Yeah. Wow. You haven't heard Elizabeth I, which is one that everybody knows, right? Um, yeah. Believed in the power of unicorn horns and purchased a great spiral horn for 10,000 pounds, which we know was probably made out of some other, some other animal, and she probably bought it from a Viking. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The Vikings, yeah. they're bad news, I tell you. <laughs> oh, well, the one thing that stuck out to another one, besides the virgin one, is that um, – Unicorn tears are extremely rare and have healing powers. And it reminded me of like Rapunzel with that one plant that like she would sing and her hair would glow because of that plant. Anyway, unicorns only – here's the sad part. Unicorns only cry every couple hundred years. So it's, it's really hard to get a unicorn well, you got to be in the right time at the right place, don't you? Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I can't imagine how they, what the story was that they told. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a, I wonder what they actually used instead of a, a unicorn tear, like to disguise it as, as one. 
You know what this makes me think of is reading all of these things that we have mistaken through history uh, uh, that people have hoodwinked other people is what is going on right now that in a hundred years they're going to be like, can you guys believe they used to do that? That's crazy. Yeah, I wonder. <laughs> well, this was fascinating. I didn't know any of this stuff about unicorns. I just. I just never, you know, I think it, unicorns are one of those things you kind of know exists in mythology and you just never think about it, right? Um, Harry Potter. Harry Potter. Yeah. There. Well, there you go. <laughs> that was another one that brought unicorns back to life. <laughs> Literally. Well, thank you for joining us. We really appreciate it. Keep on doing the fun articles over there uh, and tell everybody uh, where will, they can where they can follow you. Yeah, uh, I actually have a YouTube channel that I'm really passionate about. It's called uh, Aquinerd Vlog. So if, if you want to check that out, that would be really, really great. And uh, yeah, I, I hope you find some it's interesting and fun stuff there. Equinerd? <laughs> yes. Yep. Okay. It's like Equi, Nerd, and then Vlog. <laughs> okay, Vlog. Well, yeah, I haven't seen that one. We'll put that in the show notes as well. So, oh, Henny, thank, thank you. you so much for joining us. Thank you. It was fun. Well, she was delightful, and she might have been the first Romanian we've ever had on the show. She was lovely. Yeah. I was wondering A what A Romanian I- living in Wales, like... Who do you talk to? <laughs> you can't understand a word. I was just under wondering what her accent would be like. It's it's uh I would go with Romanian at this point and not Welsh. Uh but yeah, she was she was fun. And for all of you unicorn lovers out there, I'll put a link to the article that she did so you can you can at the next party just tell everybody how real they really are. Uh, But right now, we have to talk about real things in real life, and that is our auditors have issues with their horses, and they need some training help. And I posted this morning in the auditor room. And by the way, you can become an auditor by going to horseradionetwork.com, scrolling down the right-hand side of the page, and clicking on the auditor banner. So did you find a question that you can answer? Yeah, so here's the thing. Um, Surprise, surprise. Next week, I (laughs) this is pretty cool. Chad has a 36-hour layover in Santa Barbara. So... We don't know anybody that lives there. (laughs) I know, right? He's going to fly from Dallas to Santa Barbara, and the next morning, the the next morning, morning, uh, fly back from Santa Barbara to Dallas. So I'm going to go with him, and we're going to go visit Monty and Pat and Debbie and Tom uh, uh, over at Flag is Up Farm. So I would like to say that the ones that I don't get to, I'm just going to ask Monty how to do it. You know, I would just ask him and we'll kind of play those throughout the week. So if you still have any more and this is already aired, just find that post in the auditor's Facebook page where you can ask, or you can email me a question and I'll get, get Monty to answer it. Cause he's way better than me. Um, but one of the themes throughout here was horses that bite horses that are nippy horses that are uh, he bites because he's friendly he bites because he's nervous this one bites because it's mealtime it this one bites because let me see another a lot one. Of biting horses out there <laughs> a lot of biting horses um so i kind of thought i would address that because there's some situations that you know the the best thing to do for a horse that bites is to get out of its way. All of us are always like all in their face and their business and then and, and messing with their mouth and stuff. Just stop that. Okay. That's number one. But the honest to God, number one thing, and not all of you may do this. So I'm going to give you a couple, couple different scenarios, uh, feeding treats. Okay. So I'm going to tell a tale on this gypsy that was here. So this lady, um, uh, sends her friend over to come visit 
the gypsy that was here in training to rebraid her hair because the hair is an issue with gypsy. There's so much hair everywhere, and she would be blind if it was not like tended to. So she puts the horse, the mare, and the cross ties, and gives her a treat, which. Oh my God, treats in the cross ties make my stomach hurt. Like you're teaching her to paw and to be bad anyway. So she's giving her a treat and then goes to braid her forelock. And of course, what is the mare going to do? Continue mugging her for treats. And then she moves over to the side and the horse keeps, and then starts biting the cross ties because she wants cookies. And I was like, okay, stop it. <laughs> you cannot give your horse treats from your hand. When especially she's tied up in the cross ties and you've got them in your little like treat pouch and you're reaching up and trying to braid her hair and then you're getting mad at her for turning your head around because then you like push your face away, push your face away, push your face away. And then the horse is like, but I want a treat, push your face away. But you just gave me a treat. Wow. They don't know, understand the boundaries of like when they get treats and when they don't. So if you just never give a horse a treat by your hand, they will never seek a treat at your hand. And I don't know anything about this. I don't know who you're talking to. You know what? There's a billion ways you you put a treat in a little bucket and hand them the bucket and let them put their nose in the thing. Put the bucket on the ground. Put the treat in their bucket. Whatever. They just you've got you're causing and creating so many problems. And I know when I was at a boarding stable, people just walk around and hand, you know, just you, you need to have a sign like do not feed this horse treats like just don't it's just it's the one thing that like really you know i mean clicker trainers that's different like they teach the horse to not mug you you know that's a whole different thing about teaching a a clicker trained horse that's a whole separate thing but when you're just a person that just shoves cookies in your horse's mouth i hadn't seen it in so long that when this horse these people came i was like oh my god what are they doing stop that especially in the cross ties because like they, they go in the cross ties and you walk away and they start pawing and like stop it why is my horse pawing in the cross ties well because it's anticipating its next cookie so taking that out so say you don't give your horse treats and it's still nippy. And and I think Ellen said she gets nippy out of nervousness uh, and she gets aggressive with the nipping when she doesn't want to do something. Um, y- y- get a dually halter. This is to me the best way that I've found to, you know, Monty has the thing like, okay, if the horse goes to bite you, kick it in the shin, like tap it on the shin. And then every time the horse goes to bite, you tap it on the shin with your foot, like whack. And then eventually when they go to bite, they're going to look at their foot like out, wait, because you create something. I am not talented enough to do that. I just am not. So the one thing that all, all these race horses come to me because I started to think about all these, all these bitey horses and these race horses come to me biting because they get peppermints and hand treats all the time at the track and they uh, there's no schooling whatsoever in biting and they all stop biting within like a week it's weird and i i take away the food from the hand thing and they all just don't bite but i'm also not harassing them remember that list you had last week don't harass your horse right the other thing is that they all wear dually halter and if one of them were to reach over to bite me I would give a sharp tug, bam, down on that dually halter, and that's a no. Like, that's a that's a instant, oh, my God. Like, they, it really surprises them, you know. They, they and, and so there's a – or the other thing I would do is that you go to bite me, back up. 
again, I've told you guys the best punishment in the world is to back up a horse because it's not pain related and it's not combative. But here's what happens is people, uh, the horse bites them. And what is the first instinct that people have for a biting horse, Glenn? The horse goes to bite. What does the person do? Hmm, let me think. I saw this yesterday. What did they do? They they went to to they actually reacted toward the horse. With their yeah, hand. they they hit the horse in, in the face. So the horse bites and they go whack. And I have a problem with one of my the professionals that comes out here to the farm problem with her doing that. I'm like, okay, <laughs> let's not do that. Um, but uh, they go to hit, you know, the horse goes to bite and they hit the horse in the face. Do you know what that teaches the horse to do, Glenn? It teaches them to be faster next time (laughs) because then it becomes like, you know, we've all seen horses play bitey face where they like to bite each other and they lunge and then the other one lunges, the other one lunges. Then that becomes a game with them, the bitey face game and you're the horse. And I don't ever want to be the horse. Like I'm the human, respect my boundaries, respect my authority. Um, So the dually halter. And again, I, I, I was racking my brain of like, what do I do with a horse that bites? Because these racehorses come off the track and they all bite initially. And I'll have a dually halter on them and I'll give a sharp tug. Boom. It's called schooling on the dually, like a school. And then they don't do it anymore. But I also don't give them treats. So disassociate your body with food. Uh, Ellen, who has a mare that is trying to get her attention, how that doesn't make sense to me because if you're standing next to her close enough for her to bite you, you're probably giving her attention. So don't make it human, don't put human ideas on it, you know, like. And when you say she gets aggressive when asked, being asked to do something she doesn't want to do, especially when doing groundwork, she says nipping is her go-to reaction. Why are you close enough to to her to be in a bubble of nippiness, like with groundwork? I, like if you're working on the dually and you're that close, back her up, bam, 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 hit, hit that halter. Like you know, the dually doesn't hurt; it's just uncomfortable. And sometimes we have to make their world a little uncomfortable because they're 1,200 pounds and we're not. Um, I'm trying to see. I'm going through these right now because, yeah, you don't want to strike the horse. If If you go to strike the horse, they will learn to be faster. It's just horse... Scooter's really quick because he and Nigel go at it all the time. So he's really quick. And he's half the size of Nigel. Does he bite you? No, no. See? But he will go after, I mean, obviously he bites Nigel and they go after each other and, you know, he's half the size, so he has to be quick. It's the reason ponies survive. Oh, I love this game. I love this game and I play that game where, like, I bite you and then you hit me in the face and then I bite you faster (laughs) and I get more out of it and then you get more emotional. And there's nobody better than a pony at that game. Yeah, well, and also when you get more emotional, guess what they do? They get more emotional because horses synchronize adrenaline with whoever they're with. So if you're anticipating all of these things, you're creating tension and you're, you know what? Breathe. If in doubt, take a big, deep breath. Do you know that one of the most fun things I do is when when I'm working with a horse and like they're standing next to you, if you take a big, honest to God, like a real big, deep breath, do you know what they do? They also take a big, deep breath. Start to look for that and start to notice it. It's pretty cool, especially you can do it when you're sitting on them too. If you stop them and you take a big, deep breath, 
and you let it out, they will do the same thing. It's pretty cool. So Jamie and I do that to each other when one of us is uh, <clears throat> on edge. <laughs> okay. Let me see. How can I do that? And I find that actually the breathing thing in my general works life for husbands and wives works too. for everything. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of times when you do like if you're in a, in a confrontation with somebody and you take that big deep breath, like like with Lucas. Okay, I'm a queen of this. Like he'll start to man, and I'll just go. Now go. Okay, never mind. <laughs> Does that work for Chad too, or just Lucas? Yeah, okay, that's the answer. <laughs> See, it worked for you too. See, you came back. All I had to do was be silent and breathe, and then you're like, okay, never mind. <laughs> See, it worked. So try breathing. That's a big thing. That's what I learned. I think the most out of my Monty Roberts certification was just. Learning to breathe and control your emotions and control your breathing. Um, but again, I, I hope I gave you guys a good answer. You know, you can find your answer in there somewhere. Everybody, there was probably four or five nippy horse questions. So hopefully that helped you a little bit. Uh, remember all, all the rest of these. And if you have any more, go ahead and submit them. And I will ask Monty when I'm there next week. We're going to actually, next Friday is going to be a pretty cool episode because I'm going to sit down with... Debbie, Debbie's gonna. Debbie was scheduled to be my co-host anyway, so I called her and I was like, "Hey, I was thinking maybe for the episode because we haven't booked any guests, maybe we could just sit down with your parents and like have a kind of like a four-person conversation, but like me kind of interviewing the three of you about what it's like to be the three of you." And she's like, "Oh, I like that." And I was like, "And we're gonna do it in person." Yeah, we've I'm done we've done interviews with Pat and Monty separately. All of us have actually, but uh, not together. I know, I know. It's going to be so fun, and you know what's great is if you are ta- if you're talking to Monty, he'll go. And then there was that guy that P- Pat, Pat, <laughs> what's his name? John. Uh, yeah, John Smith was the guy who was Debbie. What did he? And 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 they, it's constant. Like they constantly fill in the gap. So it's going to be really fun to listen to that and hear that because it's I just adore. Pat Roberts and, and Debbie and, and, and Monty. So it's going to be fun. So that'll be next Friday. That'll be this Friday, actually. This Friday. But yep. it'll be, it'll come out late because I can't get Monty up. It's, it's, it's California. <laughs> yeah. And so it's He's not getting up early. In, no, no, I'm not getting up He's 90. Ready. He doesn't have to get up early. So yeah. 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 Well, speaking of schedule, uh, I'll be here. Well, we'll have a show for you tomorrow. Karen will be here with the Endurance Show. And then Wednesday, Jamie and I will be back. Thursday, I have my surgery. So I'll be out for a week. And as Jamie said, we have people filling in. So you'll have shows. Uh, I just won't be part of them. So that's it. That's it for the uh, the main part of the show. Hang around, auditors. We'll do a couple of questions. First world problems. We're kind of long on time. But uh, we'll do that. Um, and uh, that's all I got. See y'all. Spade, neuter, gal. Trying to find the closing music. Hold on. Oh, by the way, on Wednesday's show, we're going to talk about the dumbest ways that you've ever fallen off your horse. Because I have one. (laughs) A few of those around. I might have had a fall this weekend. Oh. Tell you about a Wednesday. I didn't hear about that.